Good morning, Christ community. Boy, this is... Good morning, Christ community. Do you hear the echo? It sounds great. It's great to be with y'all this morning. Um, it's um, been raining all morning on this rainy, rainy Sunday morning. Um, it's a privilege to be with you. I drove in from Georgia and spent a good hour and a half on the road through all the rain just thinking. It is a great drive from where I am coming down here and just relaxing and, and thinking about y'all and thinking about this church. And um, it's, it's a privilege to be with y'all this morning. Um, how many of y'all have outlines? All of y'all have outlines that you found in the bulletin? Raise your hand if you don't have an outline. Do you have an outline? Okay, everyone's got one. Okay, good, 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 good. This morning, what I'd like to do is, first of all, thank Keith for asking me to come and be here this morning and to share with y'all. Um, it is very loud. The mic's very loud back here. Can, can we just, um, testing? That'd be, thank you so much. Oh, that's great. That's getting better. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, thank you, Jeremy, for leading the band this morning. Um, great time of worship to lead us to this time. Um, you have an outline this there. I want to invite you to take it out. As we talk about the power of influence, and um, this is something that's been on my heart the last month. It's come to me several times, and every time I come to Christ's community, um, I want to share with you what's going on in my heart. I want to share with you what God's doing in my life and, and, and show where God's moving me and show what God's been doing and showing me and growing in me and learning. So every time I come here, it's part of all of that. And, and this message is no, um, um, nothing out of the ordinary in that, okay? So let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, it's an honor for me any time I get a chance to talk about you with people. It's an honor for me to do the best I can to, to share you, to share what you're doing in my life, to, um, to try to be a part of your plan for my life and, 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 and all, of, all of your kingdom on this earth. And what, what the things that I would say right now and all the things that are going on, we give to you this morning. Thanks for being here and for loving us as we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few, few months ago, probably more like a few years ago now, actually, I was having dinner with a new couple. Our kids were playing together. We got together with a couple and had dinner with them. And as usual, when you have dinner with someone, you know, um, my wife Kelly was talking with his wife Heather, and I was talking with Kenny. And we were getting together talking, and, and the subject came up about work. And I said, hey, Kenny, I said, what's going on with work? And he said, well, he said, work's going great, but I'm really struggling this one area. I said, what's, what's struggling with? He said, my wife and I, Heather and I, have been trying to um, purchase a Dunkin' Donuts franchise. And we can't do it. They won't let us do it. We've been looking into it, trying to do it. And I said, well, why can't you do that? I mean, I figured if you had enough money and they wanted you to do it, why wouldn't you do that? And he said, well, because apparently they cordon everything off into blocks of land. And everything around here is sold. There's no other places around here where I could manage it if it was close by to where I live to buy a Dunkin' Donuts franchise and open up a Dunkin' Donuts. He said, everything was bought from here all the way to Chattanooga, Tennessee. I said, that's a shame. He said, I know. He said, it's amazing how they do that. He said, apparently they've cordoned off where everybody's living and stuff, and they know exactly the radius of, of the effect of what these restaurants are going to have, and they don't want to sell to Joe Blow one on this corner and then to James Brown one on that corner and have them all competing against each other. So they put them in this square area of land and say, 
Joe Blow can build any Dunkin' Donuts he wants to right here, and they know this is the radius that's going to affect everything around them. And then James Brown can go over here where this land stops and this land starts, and he can build one here anywhere he wants to. And the, and the segments of land are miles to make sure there are not too many Dunkin' Donuts being built. He said it's amazing the influence of these restaurants. It's amazing how they influence the community, how, how the, the radius. And I got to thinking about this. When I was doing church work, we were looking into getting a radio station. We were looking to get this thing called, not a radio station, but a program on radio called Perceptions. It's one of these things where you could drop a thought out on the radio and it would go around everybody. And I looked into buying that for, for our church. It would be a great outreach. Everyone would hear our church all every week through the, through the radio. Couldn't do it. Because one of my protégés over about 40 miles from me had bought the Perception subscription for, this, for the entire area. And if I could hear the radio station right there, then he owns it. And he got to do it. Because radio stations know the sphere of the influence that the radio station has. And, there's, and, and programs don't want people bumping into each other. It's amazing. It gets me thinking about this, this idea of influence the power of influence. I was, at, I was speaking to some kids um, this past week at a chapel. Last time I spoke here too. I preached at the Fidelis Chapel the, the Friday before I came here. Same happened this week. Um, before that, I was at a conference in Black Mountain, North Carolina. And I was doing the spiritual formation there. I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready for the thing the day before. And the guy comes in and gets a projector. And he, he takes it out and says, whoa, 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 what are you doing with the projector? I need that projector. He said, don't worry. It'll be back by in the morning. I said, great. Next morning. Was the projector there? Nope. Obviously, and, and as a result, I had to change my entire presentation because my impre whole presentation was having to deal with the projector. I was doing things with the projector. Obviously, I didn't influence him enough to get him to bring that projector back. And he influenced me on how my message went. Thankfully, the Lord's bigger than both. And it was a great message. And it turned out to be just like it was supposed to be. Do you see the power of influence? I'm here today because of influence. I'm here right now speaking to you and have been coming here and there for years because of a relationship I have with Keith Waldrop and his family, which goes back. And so it goes back for a long time, and, and we, you know, that sort of thing. Influence is so important. Now, I want you to picture us. We're right here. I want you to picture everything else down here. This is what influence is. Us, everything else. There's an arrow that comes around from everything else, everybody else, and hits us. Just imagine an arrow and influences us. And then an arrow comes around here, and we influence everything and everybody around us. You see how an influence works? It's a big circle. They used to tell you that TV ads don't work. They used to tell you that. Oh, TV ads don't work. We've got to put them on there. And Kelly and I, my wife and I, ask ourselves late at night when we're watching a TV show, why do you have to put a pizza commercial at 1030 at night? Are you with me? A pizza commercial, because she's on this trim, healthy mama diet, and she's put me on a trim, healthy mama diet. Don't look like a trim, healthy mama? And, um, and we've, <laughs> yesterday went to Garadelli. She was a trim Garadelli mama yesterday. But, but otherwise, she's a trim, healthy mama. And we, um, we're doing this diet thing. So we're going, why do you put a pizza commercial at 1030 at night? You see what influence is all about? This building is influence. This church is influence. There was 50 people from Baptist Health at this conference I was at in Montgomery, from Montgomery. Everybody I talked to knew about Christ Community Church. Everybody I talked about knew Keith Waldrop. Everybody I talked about knew folks who went to this church. Influence. It's a cool thing. It's a great thing. Now, 
What I want to do this morning is, I'm going to do something a little different. I want you to take out your Bibles. I want you to turn to the book of John. And I'd like for you to turn to the very first page of John. If you don't have a Bible with you and you see someone next to you that has one, just, just share it with them so they can see it. Because I don't have these large slots of Scripture on the board. Because I want you to see it in a book. And if you have an app, you can look it up on Google, Version Bible. Get it out, because I want you to look at this with me. I want to walk through this with you. I want to share with you what's been going on in my own life. I've been doing a study of the Gospel of John. And something hit me like, it would, like a ton of bricks with this book. And I want to share it with you this morning and talk to you about influence. Okay? Now, some background. The Christian church had come to a problem. Okay? And that was basically this. How are we going to reach the Greek culture for Christianity? Because everything in there was largely Jewish-focused. And here's John, 40 or 50 years after he has eyewitnessed, been a disciple, experienced all these things with Jesus. And, and I like to picture it this way. He's sitting on a balcony in Ephesus is where he is. And he's having an espresso and a plate of baklava, and he's sitting there eating. Baklava is a Greek dessert. And he's looking out and hearing all the cars and everything going on out in the city and everything. And he's saying, how are we going to reach the Greek culture? He knew the Greek culture. He knew all about what's going on there. And God inspires him through the power of the Holy Spirit to write an eyewitness account of his involvement with Jesus Christ. And that's what we have in the Gospel of John. It's a powerful book. In fact, many people think it's the deepest book out of all the Gospels. It, 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 it complements things said in the other Gospels, but it's very unique. It talks about the I am statements. You know this, I am the bread, I am the vine, I am the resurrection, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. It talks about contrast, love, hate, good, bad, um, light, darkness. It's a powerful, powerful book as you get into this. Because um, John says in this book that my focus when writing this gospel as an eyewitness account is so that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It reminds me of the Superman movie. You know the Superman movie? Back in the 70s when I was a kid, that, that, that TV ad that doesn't work, the, the, the motto that they had said, you will believe a man can fly if you watch that Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. Remember that slogan? John's writing this saying, you will believe that Jesus was the Son of God when you read what happened to me and what happened to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit inspires him and he writes this. And it has changed the world. It's changed us through the power of influence. And so with that as our backdrop, what I'd like to do is this. I want to take, as you see the top of your outline there, the three scriptures that represent three stories that lead to the whole beginning of this book of John. And what I want to do with you is I want to show you how this changed me and how I view John, okay? I want to walk through it with you, all right? The first verse, it starts out this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, capital H. He was in the beginning with God. Jump down now to the 14th verse. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, all my life, and, and we study this, and we look at the Word, how important our words are, and we look at how powerful God's Word is when He created the universe. But when you build a bridge back to when John wrote this, and trying to reach the Greek culture, he understood that both the Jews and the Greeks valued words, powerful words. Jews thought words were, 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 could make things happen. Greeks thought that words are what held the universe together, the mind and the reason of God. 
You know, they, they see this created world and they're wondering why things were in, weren't chaos in the world. What held everything together? And the prevailing thought back then was it was the mind and the reason of God, the logos, the word, which is kind of interchangeable with all those meanings. So John writes, you're right, the word. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. What you're thinking here, it's, it's God. It's the God we worship. And not only that, he writes farther. He says, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. He's saying, if you want to know the mind of God, if you want to know the reason of God, it's in Jesus Christ. It's nowhere else. You can search and try to figure out why the world's in order and why it's not in chaos, but it's found in Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, Jesus Christ. You want to find out what God thinks? Jesus Christ. See how cool that is? Now go to the next story with me. He goes down and John, the writer, writes about John the Baptist. And he said, this is the witness of John. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase this story. So John the Baptist comes out and he starts baptizing people and he starts quoting out of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 and he says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As Isaiah the prophet said, John writes, and we go, wow, he's quoting prophecy. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy. This is awesome. But there's a reason he said that. Because back then, they didn't have paved roads. They had um, dirt roads. And whenever a king or a conqueror was coming down the road, they would literally make the path straight. And when people were doing that, folks knew a king was coming, a conqueror was coming, something was happening big. And John the Baptist was getting their attention and fulfilling prophecy and speaking Isaiah 40, verse 3, that we think is so cool. And yet the Jews are really disturbed by this. So they send representatives, the Levites and the Pharisees, to check him out. Because John the Baptist was causing, he was influencing people. He was being an influence. And they go, who are you? Are you Elijah? And, and John the Baptist says, he says, are, are you Elijah? Are you, are you the one? Are you the one you're talking about? John the Baptist says, I am not the Christ. Like, you know, like, and then what do you want to say after that? Who is it? Yeah, like, I am not the Christ. Okay, well, if you're not the Christ, who is it? He's among you guys, I can tell you that, you know. Are you Elijah? If you're not him, are you Elijah? Are you the one that the Old Testament says is supposed to come and prepare the way? He says, I'm not Elijah. Are you, are you Isaiah? Are you Jeremiah? Are you somebody else that's supposed to be doing this? He says, nope. I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the path of the Lord because he's here among you. And John the Baptist was influencing all these people, baptizing and stuff. And the Pharisees come up and they want to make sure he's not um, doing anything against religious law because they had it kind of tightly woven there, you know. So, hey, man, you're doing all this baptizing. What's going on here? You're acting like you're Elijah. You're preparing the way and things of this nature. And John the Baptist says, I am. I'm baptizing, but I am not the Christ. I'm telling you to make straight the pathway. You see the influence? And it got everybody nervous. And then he announces Jesus the next day. Go to the next story. He said, verse 35. Now I'm going to walk a little more closely through this one. Again, the next day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked. Here they are, perfect Hollywood scene. Here is John the Baptist sitting there with a Coke. 
And his two disciples that are following John the Baptist are standing, sitting there with him. And they're sitting outside, maybe a Starbucks with a latte or something. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks by. John the Baptist says, there he is. There's the Lamb of God right there. And these disciples who are following John the Baptist, they don't go, are you sure? Now, did you get a good look at him? Are you sure? They don't even hesitate. They jump up, the Bible says, and they start following Jesus. And they start following him. And they go to him. And they heard him speak and follow Jesus. And Jesus turned when he notices that the disciples are following him. And he beheld them following. And he said, what are you looking for? What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Again, Rabbi, a teacher word that both Jewish and Greek cultures would understand. That John the, riot, <clears throat> John the writer is writing about. And he said to him, come and you will see. Which is another Jewish term. A lot of times in Jewish writings, what they would do is say, hey, look, if you're seeking answers, come with me and let's seek them out together as if his arms around him and they're walking together. And those guys stay with Jesus that whole day. And, and, and <clears throat> John, the writer, is so important to say this. It was about the 10th hour when this happened. And then John writes this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon, Peter's brother. Simon, Peter's brother. Who was the other disciple? Hmm. Who was the other disciple? It's John himself. So here he is. He starts out talking about the beginning of the universe. There was the word. God is the mind and the reason of the universe. And then he decides to... He decides to... Um, Je to allow Jesus to be here as, his son, as the Son of God to come. And the, and, the, and the Word became flesh. The mind and the reason of God became flesh and dwelt upon us. Then he introduces John the Baptist, influencing our world by saying, make the pathway straight. And then he comes down to a point where he says, not only did he introduce him into the world, he influenced me to follow Jesus. And because of that, I was an eyewitness to everything he's ever done. Do you see the power of influence? Do you see how influence is so important in the spiritual realm of the world? Now, there are three things I want to mention to you this morning that, about, this, about this passage. And when you see these three things, you're going to go, Jeff, come on now. Can't you come up with better points than this? No, I can't. Because this is so simple that it's mind-boggling. The first point I want to mention to you is this. God's presence is with you all the time. Yay! <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that just a simple point? He is with us all the time. And you say, oh, I know that, Jeff. I know that. I've been a Christian 43 years. I know that. I know he's with us. Let me illustrate it. In my house, we have a pantry, and in that pantry, we have food. And everybody in our house knows that's the place where food is. And every child in my household, no matter where we hide the candy, knows where we hide it in that pantry. And every time we have candy in that pantry, a child is getting it and eating it. We've called it stealing. We've called it all these things. Quit stealing the candy. Doesn't affect them. When we're gone, they're stealing candy. You're going to eat candy, okay? So they're in there eating candy all the time. So Kelly got frustrated. She got this basket, and she put it up on the top shelf of the pantry, and she put a sign that said, Kelly's Candy Stash. 
do not eat. And you could see the candy outside of it all. You could see it all. So Sarah and I were there one day, and Sarah said, you see what mom's doing now about the candy, dad? Sarah's my 14-year-old. She said, see what mom's doing about the candy, dad, because Abby's the one in there eating the candy all the time. I said, baby, look, man, I, you think I crawled out from a rock? You're eating just as much candy as Abby's eating. You know what I'm saying? She's blaming it on the sister. So I said, let's do something. She says, what? I pulled the sticky note off of the thing that Kelly had written all that, that, that announcement on, and underneath it I put, God is watching. And I put two big eyeballs on the bottom of that. And Sarah went, that's so cool, that, that's so cool. And I stuck it back up there on the party stash, okay? Then I said, you think that's cool? Watch this. And I pulled another sticky note out, and I said, I said um, if you are hungry, eat all the cereal you want. I put an arrow over to where the cereal is. God is watching the party stash. <laughs> You see how that illustrates the presence of God? Sarah's light bulb came on. You see, we know God is with us. But God is with us. God is here. God was here as you walked in. God is here as you leave. I love how Matthew portrays this. He says, um, Jesus, when he would go around healing and teaching and things, he would often do this in the way that presented, he would mention it presenting the kingdom of heaven. When things would happen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And then he makes a pivotal thing here that, that we don't want to miss. Look at the scripture I have. It's the one, yes. Back when he de Peter declares him being the Christ and Jesus talks about the church, he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven as well. In other words, what he's trying to say to these folks is, when I'm gone and I come back to the Holy Spirit, you have the keys of the kingdom. You are little kingdoms of heaven walking around. You are influencing everything for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven. Everything we do, everything we say, the people we talk to, the people we hang out with, we are representing the kingdom of heaven. Because God's presence is with us all the time. And boy, howdy, what a change in my daughter and my family as we were all laughing about that. We thought, wow, God is watching. And we know that as Christians, but when you think about it that way, you go, wow, he's watching, you know? You see, we live in a world today that wants you just to connect and wants you just to disconnect. God's not in the connecting business. God's in the relating business. He wants to relate, and he wants you to relate to him so that your power of influence can be at its maximum. Can be at its maximum. Second point, God's plans are not confined to the things we can see but also, you can put, the things we cannot see too. See, a lot of times we think God's involved in all these plans we see on the outside here. We ask God, please be with me to get that job. God, please be with me in this relationship I have with my wife or my husband. God, please be with me in this relationship I have with my kids. Please do this, please do that. Please, God, be in these material things we see. And there's nothing wrong with that. But how many of us take time 
to understand that his plans for us are spiritual as well. And it's not just so he can grow us spiritually, but it's so he can do something through us spiritually as a little kingdom of heaven that's going around. See, we sometimes miss that. Most famous verse that we hear. When I go in a Christian bookstore, I love it. I walk in there, this verse is everywhere. They put them on mugs, they put them on paperweights, they put them in this calligraphy on these, on these pictures, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. You know that um, verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's about all they can put on a mug, right? That's about all they can put on the mug. It's about all they can put on the picture. And it's this calligraphy thing that they write that you can barely see. You know what I like to do? I go in the Christian bookstore, and last time I was in there with the manager, I said, hey, I said, I said, he, he said, are you confused? Are you looking for something? I said, yeah, I'm looking for a Bible. He said, we got tons of Bibles. I said, yeah, but have you got a Bible that's written in the calligraphy that's up there on that wall right there? And he starts laughing. First, he started going, oh, well, I, I don't think we have Bibles that are written like that. And then he started, I said, I'm just kidding, man. I just, I just noticed all the beautiful calligraphy on the, on the wall of all these pictures and stuff, you know. But you don't have to, space to write the rest of it. God has these plans to prosper us and to, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And we think we use that verse for all the things and the hopes and the dreams that we want to accomplish. Nothing wrong with that. But it's tied to the spiritual as well. Then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, God's plans for you individually, God's plans for Christ Community Church, as it's always been, has been to be an influence to the people around us and to the people we come in contact with. How many of us pray and we say, God, Man, I used to be, when I was in college ministry, I used to have someone, and I, I, I prayed like this to this point. God, go ahead of us as we're doing this. Go ahead of us. Prepare the way, God. Um, till the soil, God, so that when I get there, something might happen to these folks. Something might happen that they may be influenced toward you, God. And I'm going to give you the glory every single day as I, as I pray that prayer. And then when it happens, it won't be a shock because I've been praying for it to happen. And then people all around us are influenced for the kingdom. People all around us are influenced to want to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, as John says over a hundred times in his gospel. I want you to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. What happened to me is no, it, it, was, it was supernatural, it was awesome, and I want, you to, I want you in Asia Minor, and I want you in Rome, and I want you in Greece, and I want you all these Greek areas that, that were thriving in Christianity. I want you to know this. And he wrote it, see? Last point. Our part in God's spiritual plans involves prayer and planning. A lot of times we get self-focused self on our prayers. I know I do. And no, more than ever before, God has put on my heart to say, God, say, Jeff, when you're praying, pray about that spiritual influence that you might have on those kids when you're involved in their sporting activities, on your own kids, all around you. Do we plan for something spiritual to happen in a situation that we're in? Do we plan in our jobs for something spiritual to happen? Do we plan and pray with a way that says, God, how can I lead or influence somebody for your kingdom? So they would come to know the God I know. So they could... Come and be a part of a community that lifts up Jesus' name.
you see. Being that instrument, being that instrument. I've got an, a, a Psalm 51. It's a cool thing. Look, look at the scripture. You know this, Psalm 51, another great popular verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. This is the psalmist's prayer saying, God, this is what we do when we come to church. This is what we do when we're meeting in groups. One, God, I just want a clean heart. I want a renewed spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence, God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Keep, keep me with you. Restore to me that joy of salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit that I may follow you. And then we often miss this second part here. The reason is so we can help other people who are where we are and teach them your ways. So that other people who don't know who you are and are living for themselves can be converted to you. So we can, so we can be an influence. You see the power of influence? One of the best examples of influence came from, um, from a movie um, that, that I um, watched several years ago. It's a powerful movie. Have any of y'all seen the movie Mr. Holland's Opus? Y'all seen that movie? Remember the end of it? I'm going to show you the end of this movie. It is so powerful. Here was a guy who uh, was trying himself best to be a Broadway composer. He wanted to write this symphony and be this Broadway composer, make it big and be rich and all this kind of stuff. And instead, he becomes a high school music teacher. And he spends his entire career in this movie talking about how he was, he was, doomed, he was um, meant for bigger things. He was meant for fame. He was meant for all these things on the outside. And then he retires. And this happens. Now, what is that? Um, I don't know. What, you can't hear what's going on in the auditorium? Oh, yeah, I, I, I hear it. Well, there's something going on. This is supposed to be. No, it's on the
master of ceremonies seems to be a little late, so I guess it's up to me to begin. Um, when word first got out that the music program was cut and about the retirement of my husband, well, I have never seen such a response from the community. Oh, looks like my watch is fast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I present our governor and Kennedy High School alumnus, the most honorable Gertrude Lang. See what an example of influence that is? Um, house lights. There we go. Thank you. Let me, let me just say to you, you are Mr. Holland. You are Mr. Holland. You are Mrs. Holland. <laughs> All of us in this room are Mr. Hollands. We just don't realize it. He didn't realize it either. The power of the influence that God gives us through the power of his Holy Spirit to lead us in the lives of people, to affect them for the kingdom of heaven is unbelievable. Everybody in this room right here has an auditorium full of people like that who you've influenced. Let me ask you this. Who influenced you in your life that brought you here today? that's brought you into a relationship with Jesus to the point where you're here today in this church? Who was it? 
We all have them. I could go down the line of who I am right now. Second question, who are we influencing today for the kingdom of heaven? Who are we influencing? It's what God's called us to do. It's all about the power of influence. All about it. You know, I'm sitting here today because a group of youth pastors and counselors who weren't even in the ministry formally but, were, but worked with me when I was a little kid prayed for me to go in the ministry from the time I was in seventh grade all the way to the time I got in graduate school. You know how I know? They asked me to come to dinner with them one night when I was looking at Asbury as a seminary to go to, and they were there. And I went to dinner, and we were eating, and then she got upset, and I didn't know why. And I thought, did I say something? And she said, you are an answer to prayer. We have been praying every Thursday night from the time you were in seventh grade, by name, all the way until you went off to college for you to go into ministry, for God to do some big things. Who are, who are you praying for? Who are we praying for? You see the power of influence? I get excited when I think about the influence that's in this room. I get excited about it. I think, wow. I get excited when I think about all the churches and their influence. We just have to be open to what God wants to do in us. Let's pray. Father, we give you this time. We, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you, God, for all the spiritual plans you have for everyone sitting in this room right now. And God, could we be bold enough this morning to say, give us someone to influence. Put someone on our heart that needs to know who you are. And slowly allow how you've worked in our hearts and in our lives to influence them to come to know you as well. Thank you for a man like John who was inspired by your Holy Spirit to write this eyewitness account to help us to understand who you are and all you want to do in us and through us. We give you this day, give you these opportunities this next week. Use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.